Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with The Lord Reigns as we pick up in Psalm chapter 97, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. He's reigning. The Lord reigneth. Let the earth rejoice, and the multitude of the isles be glad. Clouds and darkness are round about him. Righteousness and judgment are the habitation of his throne. A fire goes before him and burns up his enemies round about. His lightnings enlightened the world. The earth saw and trembled. The hills melted like wax at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the Lord of the whole earth. This is reference to Mount Sinai. And the giving of the law. The heavens declare his righteousness, and all the people see his glory. Confounded be all they that serve the graven images which boast themselves of idols. Worship him, all ye gods. Zion heard and was glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoiced because of thy judgments, O Lord. For thou, Lord, art high above all the earth, thou art exalted far above all gods. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil. Underline that and put emphatic marks around it. If you really love God, hate evil. Unfortunately, because of the iniquity of the earth today, we have developed sort of a toleration towards evil. And in some quarters, even an acceptance of evil, because evil is desiring to be accepted. It wants to make itself acceptable. But if you really love the Lord, then hate evil. Have no toleration for it. And certainly no place in your life. Ye that love the Lord, hate evil, for he preserveth the souls of his saints and delivers them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous, and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Now, Psalm 98, as I said, parallels Psalms 96 in many things. Notice Psalm 96, so sing unto the Lord a new song. Psalm 98, sing unto the Lord a new song. For he hath done marvelous things, His right hand, his holy arm, have gotten him the victory. The Lord hath made known his salvation. His righteousness hath he openly showed in the sight of the heathen. He hath remembered his mercy and his truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the voice of the psalm, with trumpets, The sound of the cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord the King. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein, let the floods clap their hands, let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he cometh to judge the earth with righteousness, shall be judge in the world and the people with equity. Now notice in Psalm 96 it begins, O singing unto the Lord, and the encouragement to praise God and to uh, 
offer the offerings and so forth unto him, and then calling the heavens to rejoice, and the earth and the sea roaring in the fullness thereof. And so in verse 7, let the sea roar the fullness thereof. And then the 13th verse of 96 compared with the 9th verse, they are pretty much the same. The Lord cometh to judge the earth. With righteousness shall he judge. Now, there are people who are constantly worried about how can a God of love do this or that or the other? God, when he judges, will judge righteously. I do not believe that we have in our court systems today really righteous judgment. I long to see righteous judgment. I think that it's a shame, a travesty and all that the Supreme Court should rule the, uh, concerning, you know, the Ten Commandments put up in the classrooms. They don't mind and they don't do anything to stop the pictures of the development from an anthropoid to a man in the classrooms. That's pawned off as science. And yet it's a religious system. It takes more faith to believe in that than it does to believe that God created things. And yet, the schools in Kentucky where they had the Ten Commandments placed in each of the classrooms, the Supreme Court has ordered that that is a violation of the separation church, state, etc. State not imposing any religion. Of course, they didn't... No. Oh, the Lord will judge the earth. <laughs> With righteousness shall he judge the world. And I long for righteous judgment. The Lord reigneth. Starts out as did Psalm 97. The Lord reigneth. Let the people tremble. He sits between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. Now the cherubims are an angelic class. They are described in Revelation chapter 4 and in Ezekiel chapter 1 and chapter 10. In the descriptions that are given in Ezekiel, the flying saucer buffs say that that's exactly what flying saucers look like and their movement as are described in Ezekiel. And so they're saying that Ezekiel actually saw UFOs and was describing the UFOs that he saw. And, and they oftentimes point to Ezekiel as a proof that UFOs have been visiting the earth from the time that man has been upon the planet earth. Which points up something very interesting to me. It is true indeed that Ezekiel saw a UFO. And he describes how it flew. And the fires and, and, and the lights and so forth and and he describes the movement, how it moved rather in straight lines rather than, you know, on a curved basis and so forth. But Ezekiel tells us that these wheels within the wheels with the lights and the movements were actually cherubim, spirit beings. Now, Satan was a fallen cherubim.
Satan was a cherub. Before his fall, he is called in Ezekiel the anointed cherub that covereth. Because the flying saucer gets so much into the occultish kind of things, I do believe that if there are genuine sightings, as some of these people relate, that actually it is possible that they are seeing spirit beings, fallen spirit beings, satanic spirit beings, because there's a whole cult developed around this whole thing. And, and thus, I do not always question that these people, you know, you say, oh, they're a bunch of weird ducks, you know, thinking that they see UFOs. No, it is very possible that there is something to this, that you're delving into a spirit realm and, and that they are actually observing fallen cherubim. Now, God dwells between the cherubim. They surround the throne of God. God placed cherub, cherubim at the Garden of Eden to protect it. There are the cherubim about the throne of God who cease not day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. When God had Moses build the model of heaven, for the tabernacle was nothing but a model of what the heavenly scene is like. The mercy seat, the throne of God, and within the Holy of Holies was the model of the throne of God with the cherubim that were carved upon it. And so coming into the little cubicle, the golden cubicle of the Holy of Holies, the priest was coming into the model of coming into the presence of God in heaven with the cherubim that were there. So the Lord reigneth, let the people tremble. He sits between the cherubims. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion. He is high above all the people. Let them praise thy great and awesome name, for it is holy. The king's strength also loves judgment, and thou dost establish equity. Thou executest judgment and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt ye the Lord our God, and worship at his footstool, for he is holy. Moses and Aaron among his priests, Samuel among those that call upon his name. They called upon the Lord, and he answered them. He spake unto them in the cloudy pillar, and they kept his testimonies and the ordinance that he gave them. You answered them, O Lord, our God, and you were a God that forgave them, though you took vengeance of their inventions. The golden calf and so forth. God took vengeance against them, and yet God forgave them. Oh, the goodness of God. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Now, if you can't serve the Lord with gladness, it's better that you not serve him. It is a shame and a disgrace that people gripe about what they've done for the Lord or their service for God. But that's usually the result of people being pushed into something that God hasn't led them into. And the church, unfortunately, has been very guilty of pushing people into jobs 
or into things that the people's heart really isn't in it. People are oftentimes pushed to support a new building program or pushed to support a, a new budget or something for the church. And every time the month comes around and you get your little notice that your pledge is due, you get upset and you, ah, you know, and you write out your pledge and mail it in. But, but you're angry about it. You've been pressured into it. They caught you at a weak moment. Serve the Lord with gladness. If you can't give joyfully to the Lord, you're much better off not to give because if you give grudgingly, that's going to go against you. That's not going to count. That'll count against you. So you're much better off not to give at all. If you can be happy about not giving at all, you're much better off doing that rather than giving grudgingly to God. And that's giving of your time in serving the Lord or giving of your finances or whatever. If you can't give unto the Lord with a joyful heart, if you cannot serve the Lord with gladness, then it's best you not serve him at all. God doesn't want any kind of grudging in your gifts to him. God doesn't want your giving ever to be out of pressure, out of constraint, out of someone pushing you. People come up and say, you know, we've been coming here for a long time and, and we'd really like to teach a Sunday school class, but how do you go about teaching a Sunday school class here? And I said, you just found out. You've got to ask. We won't come around and nail you for anything. If you want to do something for the Lord, you're going to have to ask. If you desire to give anything, you're going to have to ask how to do it. We're not going to ask you. You call us. We're, we, we will not come to people to support God or God's work. That's ridiculous. If you don't, out of your own heart of love and thanksgiving, want to serve the Lord with gladness, then don't serve him at all. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord... Now, here's, you know, make a joyful noise. Serve the Lord. Come before his presence. Why? Because the Lord, he is God. God has rights. We talk about human rights. There are also divine rights. And his rights to our service. His rights to our praise. Because he's God. Because he is God, he is worthy of our praise. Because he is God, he is deserving of our service unto him. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. <laughs> the self-made man. <laughs> what a tragedy. It is he that hath made us. When Belshazzar was feasting with his lords at the time of the siege of the Medo-Persian army, and in order to add a new dimension to the feasting, Belshazzar called that they bring the gold and silver cups that his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple of Jerusalem and pour their wine in these golden cups that have been sanctified for use in the temple of God. 
And as they were drinking their wine out of the golden cups and praising the gods of gold and silver, suddenly they had a very sobering experience because over on the plaster of the wall there appeared a hand and the writing was on the wall and it began to burn there on the wall and stayed there. Words that they could not understand. Meany, meany, tekel you farsen. And this king, it says his joints were loosed and his bones began to smite against each other. And they called for the wise men to come in. They said, we don't know what it means. Finally, the queen said, there was a man under your grandfather's reign named Nebuchadnezzar of the children of Israel. God gave to him understanding and visions and dreams and so forth. And they called Daniel in. And he said, can you interpret that? And Daniel says, yes, I can. But first of all, I want to talk to you, king. Your grandfather was a great king over all the earth, and God gave him dominion over the world. And yet his heart was lifted up with pride. And so God allowed your grandfather to go insane, and for seven seasons he ate with the oxen out in the field. He lived like a madman until he knew that the Lord in heaven reigned over the earth and put on the thrones those whom he would. And he said, the very God whose hand your breath is, you have not glorified. I mean, he really laid a message on the king. You failed to glorify God. Look, your life depends on him. You are de he, is, he, he, he is the one that has made you. Your very breath is dependent upon him. The very God in whose hand your breath is, you have not glorified. Therefore, the writing came on the wall, and its interpretation is, Thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting, and your kingdom will be taken from you tonight. Divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. But the idea, the God in whose hand your breath is, how dependent we are upon God. It is he that hath made us, and yet that very breath that we receive from God, we use many times to blaspheme God. The very breath that God has given to us, we use to utter filthy epitaphs or stories or whatever. What a shame. The very God in whose hand your breath is, and at that time, that king's breath was foul with the smell of the wine, drunk. And though he was drunk and the breath permeated with the smell of the wines, yet it was the breath that God had given to him, the very God in whose hand your breath is. He has made us, not we ourselves, for we are his people the sheep of his pasture. You are living in God's earth. You are using and abusing God's earth. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, and all they that dwell therein. You're breathing God's air. You're drinking God's water. You're eating God's food. You're burning God's oil. You're heating your home with God's gas. You're eating God's cattle, God's fish. The earth is the Lord's. 
We are actually just grazing in his field. Everything that we have, everything that we see, everything that we're surrounded with belongs to God. And yet how we abuse it and try to use it just for ourselves. The sheep of his pasture. Therefore enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. He lets you sponge off of him all the time. His mercy is everlasting. Again, look how long he's put up with you. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study, the book of Psalms, on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Psalms 97 through 100 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Father, we are so grateful that your truth endureth to all generations and that we can study thy truth and learn of thee. Now, Lord, let us put into practice those things which we have learned. May we not be hearers of the word only, deceiving ourselves. Lord, let us be doers of the word. Let us, O oh God, truly give thanks and praise unto Thee, honor and glory unto our King. Help us, Lord, to hate evil. Help us, O oh Lord, to walk with Thee in the beauty of holiness. O oh Lord, minister to Your people tonight that we might dwell in the secret place of the Most High, abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Sometimes it's difficult to know what to say or how to help someone who is going through a recent death in the family or a sudden tragedy that's happened. And it's in times like this that we want to be used by God to bring encouragement, hope, and most of all, love to our family and friends who are going through a hardship. That's why I'd like to tell you about a book by Chuck Smith called When the Storm Hits. I'm amazed when I read this book 
that it's able to encourage and strengthen a person and persuade them to look to Jesus and not at their problem. It encourages us to be patient, not to lose hope, and when the storm hits, to get anchored on Jesus, the rock, and don't let go. To order a copy of Chuck Smith's book, When the Storm Hits, please call the word for today at 800-272-9673. Or you can visit us online to read a preview of the book by visiting thewordfortoday.org.